0: Hello, and welcome to Homework, the first marketing podcast that is actually not about marketing, where we discuss the good, bad, ugly, and extraordinary of the challenges involved in integrating work and home. So today I'm super excited because I have an old friend with us today. Melissa Barnes is the vice president in charge of Canada and Latin America for Twitter. She's been at Twitter for almost 11 years. I can't believe that, Melissa. I've known her because when I started as a CMO trying to figure out social media, Adam Bain, who was a COO at the time of Twitter, assigned me to this guru lady. And since then, she became my Twitter guru. Melissa taught me how to tweet. She helped me develop my profile. And then for six months she would criticize every mistake that i was making <laughs> on the on the tweets since then we've we've been friends so i'm very happy to welcome you to homework melissa
1: it's lovely to be here and one of the best meetings of my life was that first meeting with you i i just i'm so grateful that that you walked in the door that day that was that was fun and it's been an incredible relationship for me since then
0: excellent so we're going to have a, a a kind of an interesting conversation with melissa melissa in addition to being an amazing leader is also one of a growing number of women that have decided to start a family on, on, on her own. Well, on her own, plus a phenomenal network of friends, family, and community. Melissa, how did this come to be?
1: Yeah. Well, first, let me just say, I'm coming to you from a place of enormous privilege that I even get, you know, it's just, and I, and it's, it's partly what you just said there. I come from this incredible network of people. So I've always had this net beneath me, which has allowed me to sort of take risks and just go for it. And I, how it came about was it started actually with when I was about 35, I'd just taken a big job at Twitter that I knew was going to put me on the road a lot. It was a global role and I was going to have to fly all over the world. And I had a mentor at the time who came to me and said, you need to freeze your eggs. You just want to make sure that you've got back up and you're going to be really busy. And beyond that, I know a lot of women who've had a hard time getting pregnant. And so do it now while you're young. And so I took her advice and did that. And fast forward a few years and I had a relationship end and I was home that summer talking to my mom and was bummed about it because, you know, you there is like if you're female, there is a clock. It's it's biological. It, It just it's the reality of things. And part of it was I was, you know, sad about it not working out, but also I knew that I only had so much time. And my mom looked at me and she said, you know, you more than anybody could do this on your own if you wanted to do it. And I looked at her and I said, I know, but she said, no, no, you can do it. And you don't want to have regrets. And then she did another thing on top of that, which is she said, and if you decide to do this, your stepfather and I will be there for you the first year. We will help you take care of that child and and figure this all out. And, and so she made this amazing offer and that's really what kicked it into gear. I didn't want to have regrets and I also knew that I could do this. I'm more than capable of doing it. And so that's what sort of started the journey and now here I am today with a little nine-month-old daughter.
0: Which is uh, beautiful as, as to be expected, given your genes. What was the most difficult part of that decision, Melissa?
1: Yeah, well, one thing that I, I will say, and I've since, since I've done this, I, I, you would not believe the number of women who have reached out to me and wanted to have a conversation. And Antonio, it is so similar what that conversation is. I think the biggest blocker is often in your head, which is there is a preconceived notion of how you have a family. And you can be a successful and wonderful and normal human being, but for whatever reason, if you didn't find your person by a certain point of time, you feel like a failure and it feels like you're doing something a little crazy. And so I think that getting over that piece was an important thing. And I think one advantage I had in addition to having like this amazingly supportive family and this mother who, you know, doesn't hesitate to tell me what she really thinks is that it was... For me, a very accessible idea because my I'd seen my mother be a single mother. My father had died when I was five, and I watched her raise my brothers and I and do it very well. When he died, obviously she was very young; she was thirty three years old. He was thirty seven. She had been a stay at home mom up to that point, had a couple of degrees, but they were worth nothing if you were going to send your kids to college and make enough money to do that. And so she went back to school to get a degree in accounting, not because she loved accounting, but because she was good with numbers and it was a job that she thought would give her flexibility, graduated with highest honors, also worked part-time to pay for it all. And also like ironed the sheets, (laughs) you know, that were on our beds. And so I'd seen an exceptional version of that. And I knew me coming into it again, like I make good money. Uh, It's a different world in terms of how you work. I'm at a certain level of seniority where I have a lot of agency. So I knew that I could do it, and probably in some ways have advantages that she did not have. So I just had to get over them—the the mental hump of like, how does this reflect on me? It's probably the thing I'm the most proud of that I took the step because I'm I'm so grateful to be here today. I feel so lucky.
0: How how did the um, how did corporate America how did Twitter in this particular case reacted to it?
1: Well, you know, I think a couple things. One is that. I mean again talk about privilege. I'm lucky to live work at a place where part of this was covered by our own healthcare packages. And to their credit, it's a major point. If you want driven ambitious women who also want to maybe have a bigger life beyond work to offer them covering IVF and you know all that goes into it is is a pretty good perk. And so Twitter covered it or elements of it from a financial perspective. And then I'd say it wasn't. It's not something that I've t- talked, spoken about overtly at the company that I'm. I'm doing this on my own, but they have been. They're a company that really respects people bringing them wholesales to work and being being positioned to do so. And so, from the day that I let people know that I was expecting to through my maternity leave and since then, there's been an enormous amount of respect for boundaries and things that I've set, support. I've had different people give me advice and everybody wants to give you something when you're having a baby. And I told people, don't send me me gifts, don't send me clothes for the baby. What I really want is your piece of advice. Like, how did you do this? And so they actually put together a book of advice from different Twitter parents. And it's been, it's amazing, you know? And so in that regard, they've been, they've been really wonderful. I think the one thing I've maybe had to sort of watch, and again, this is coming from a wonderful place, but there's this concept of benevolent bias where I think sometimes people make assumptions about what you can do because you're a new mom. And sometimes they want to pull you out of things or not put things on you because they're projecting that maybe you're juggling a lot And I've had to kind of address that in some ways. For example, when CAN came up, I was, yeah, I think, yeah, the baby was six months at that point. I was, we have a five month maternity leave. So I was a month back to work. And uh, this was an important CAN, as you know, because it was the first time the industry came together since the pandemic. And so for me, it was a must be there. Not because I wanted to necessarily like be having fabulous dinners on the ocean, but it was an important working moment. And and initially, they were like, you don't have to go. And I was like, no, no, I do have to go. And I will be going. And I will figure out how to get there and how to do this. And so I went to Cam. And I flew my daughter <laughs> and my parents. And you know what? I had a very full Cam. I worked my tail off every day, morning to night. I think you and I had breakfast at 7 a.m. one day. It was the first of three breakfasts that day. And you know what? Every three hours, I sprinted back to my place, nursed my daughter, and then sprinted back to the next meeting and made it work. And I think logged like on average, 11 miles a day of steps. (laughs) So it's possible, but I had to, I've had to kind of help people understand that if there's something that I don't think I can do, I will tell you. Otherwise, I know how to do my job.
0: And when you say people, are the reactions the same among men and women as it pertains to you as a mom?
1: You know what's interesting? So, okay, so I'll pull back a little bit. There's a friend of mine who worked at a financial services company one time was telling me about this study they had done. She's a mother, working mother at Twitter. And she said they'd done this study to sort of understand unconscious bias. And what they found is at their company, where they found the greatest amount of unconscious bias against working mothers was actually among men who are married to women who don't work. And the hypothesis was that it's because they see what their wives do and all that's involved in that and all, and they think there is no way that she could do all of that and their job. And so I will say my own experience, I've met some men who totally get it and are like, think I can do it all. And then I've met some men where like, maybe less so. And so I'd say that's been my own experience. Women, you know, who are doing it, like the amount of high fives I've gotten from other women who have just like done this before me has been tremendous. And the advice they've given me, I mean, all the things, it's just been incredible. So there is this sorority Of women that I have I've always felt but it's it's strengthened in a whole other way and it's a beautiful thing
0: amazing uh Melissa so now you have your beautiful daughter you're supported by a great family how does the day-to-day work you're still trying like everybody else you're still trying to balance your professional with your personal life now with a, a young daughter how do you make it work
1: yeah you know it's So I'll say my understanding of parenthood is that I'm at the easy part right now. (laughs) They get more complicated and complex as they get older. And so right now my job is to keep her alive, which so far so good. But it's planning. Well, every Friday I look at my calendar or the week ahead and my assistant and I sort of go through it and move stuff if needed. But then every Sunday, I really look at the calendar for the week and make sure that it's blocked the right way and that there's coverage needed and that everything is sort of set up as it as it should be. I'll say that it's with all the stories of what it is to be a parent, especially during the pandemic and how hard it was. I do think, you know, as somebody who had a daughter during that time and my child is still not yet in school. And so some of the other things that other parents have been dealing with haven't been my challenges yet. I think this is actually introducing a, ton, a a whole new era. And I think it's probably never been a better time to be a, a mother and working because I, I what I see is companies are adjusting. They haven't figured it out yet, but there's an understanding that we need to provide new kinds of flexibility in terms of how people work. I've seen a really good discussion about people who might be disadvantaged by maybe not going into work. And it's understood like, okay, working women, if they're not in the office and Joe is showing up every day, will that put her at a disadvantage? And I think there's this dialogue going on that actually makes me really hopeful. And right now I I have a lot of agency in terms of how I run my days. And we had something hit this week and I'm having to juggle some stuff, but I can move my meetings around and... It's fine. And I'd say coming back to work was maybe not as hard for me as I've seen it be for other women, because a lot of times I just walk into the other room and there's my daughter and I can cuddle her for a minute and then go back to my next thing. So it's planning. And right now I'm in the process of hiring my long-term nanny. And the conversation is one where I'm really clear on the brief. This person is going to take care of my child and her manners and how to be a contributor to our household from a chores perspective. She doesn't have to make money yet, but also like you're going to help me with meal prep and you're going to do the grocery shopping and you're going to make sure her doctor's appointments are scheduled. You're going to take care of all this stuff that I don't want to have to deal with so that when I am home, I'm present with her. I'm reading her books. We're playing with blocks. We're doing stuff that is about her and that she feels. And so that clarity in the assignment is, I think really important.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part, they're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.
1: right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
0: Yeah, Melissa, you spoke, um, you spoke about your mom. That's what I meant about the gene pool that your daughter has. Those traits have come from your mom to you, now to your daughter. What role will your extended family play in the way that you're going to be balancing home and work going forward
1: yeah oh that's such a good question I'm so lucky I again like I I'm so close to my brothers I my sisters-in-law I love them I've got cousins and aunts and uncles one of the gifts of having a father who passed away when I was five is that I had a village of people lean into my brothers and I and so when I go home there are so many people who feel ownership of me (laughs) that I need to spend time with. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so when I was pregnant, the conversation that I had with so many people what saying, what can I do? How can I help? You know, was that I, I want you to lean into this little girl. I want you to be there for her. And I just, I finished, I just recently updated my will as you do. And the conversation with my brothers was about what happens if something were to happen to me and by the way you never I, you'll probably agree you never feel your mortality more than when you start having children and think about like oh, you know I go the speed limit these days right. <laughs> so right. it's and my annual checkups I'm, I'm finally doing everybody has as under you know like they know that the greatest gift that they can give me is to be present for her and so she I you know she just and, and she's it's as also like she's the youngest grandchild she's if anything I worry that she's going to get spoiled because she is the star of the show and it's wonderful it really is and so she's already got this amazing network of people
0: and how are you going to balance it between because your job will take you to New York your family is elsewhere how does that work
1: so I have a I've got a great setup I have I'll say it one more time privilege I have a house in Idaho and I have an apartment in New York and so I spend summers and holidays in Idaho And then the rest of the time I'm in New York and international trips. Sometimes when I'm gone for extended periods, she'll come with me. And for those that, you know, I don't want to take her with me, it's going to be really scheduled. So even now I was planning a trip to one of the markets I oversee and I told them I'm going to be there for 48 hours. You've got to book that agenda. Like it better be booked. It better be tight. You better have me running. We're going to make use of every minute. I'm not going to sleep. we we'll get me up early, put me to bed late. Let's make the most use of time in market. And she'll stay home. And again, family members, lots of people raising their hand to sort of be there and take care of her. And then for those trips where she comes with me, then we'll, we plan to send, spend extended period of time when I am making her get on a long flight and things like that. So far, she's been a champion when she's flown now that she's real close to walking, We'll see how it goes. But that's right now, that's the vision. And then the other thing is the benefit of traveling all over the world multiple times over the course of 20 years of working is you got a lot of miles. And so people know if they ever want to come to New York and visit us, um, if, they, if they just miss her, I, I, there's a ticket waiting for them. And so that's also something that's very well understood among the family and friends.
0: Yeah. You just mentioned something that I'm going to have to ask because you, you I, I've known you for over uh, for about a decade, and, and, I, and I know how hard you work, and now you have this beautiful new area of, of your life. What are you doing to take care of Melissa Barnes?
1: Huh. Well, you know, I think it's one of those things, and I know I'm not the only person to say this, but if it's on the calendar, then it happens. And so for me, I know for my personal health, it's really important that I work out once a day, even if it's just going for a walk outside. So that's something that's blocked into my calendar. And having always, for particularly the last decade, having had distributed teams around the world often meant that I'd have to have calls with people in Asia and then calls with people in Europe and calls with people on the East Coast when I was on the West Coast. And so my calendar has always been this sort of dynamic thing. And so way back in the day, like I started the practice of blocking out time that was my time. And so it could be, I have a dinner planned with friends in San Francisco, and therefore I cannot travel on Wednesday. And, and it would be tempting sometimes, like there's a meeting in London that, oh, it's this person and they're so important. And I would say, no, I've got, this is on the calendar. And you know what? that stuff can move. That's what I found is that people will move it. And so I've actually developed the muscles over the years to, to block it. And so I, I, I've tried to do that. I'm still, there's stuff I'm learning. Like you're, I, I planned to work out this morning and she woke up at five and did not want to go back to bed. And so, <laughs> so I spent my morning with her chasing her and it felt like a workout, but it may be not as tough as what I would have otherwise planned in some ways. So there's stuff I'm still certainly learning, but a lot of it is making the commitment, understanding what's important, and saying no to a lot of stuff that isn't. And so I've gotten, every quarter, I sit down with my assistant and we do a calendar edit and we look at things we can take off, we look at things we can shorten, we look at things that we can take from a weekly to a biweekly or monthly. And so I just, I continue to sort of edit and and try to make it as efficient as possible.
0: So Melissa, what recommendations would you give corporate America today so that they can actually embrace the needs of more women like you?
1: I think pay for it. First of all, I like this is a, the healthcare piece is real. And so the things that, you know, if, if you can find a way to support a woman in this journey, that is enormous. I also think creating safe places to have these kinds of conversations and connect women To people who might be role models to them, I think is really important. I think there's so much about this conversation. Even when I embarked on this, like it was, there wasn't a lot online. And so I was connected to a woman who then connected me to a woman who then connected me to women. And so there was sort of this whisper network, but there isn't something formal out there. And I I found that there was a need for it. And so, you know, this, when we talked about me having this conversation, I said, oof, I don't know. But I also then put myself in the shoes I was in a year or so ago and two years ago. And I think more women need to, to talk about this. So I think creating spaces for that to happen. And then I think, you know what? Create flexibility for women to have autonomy and trust them to do their jobs. I like I don't I, I've never done well with people who come at me and say, this is how you do it. I do really well when people say this is the goal get here. And you know what? I am so smart and so scrappy and I will work so hard. I will get there guaranteed. So let me figure out how to do it and do everything else on top of it. And we'll all be good. And so I think, I think companies have to give that trust to the women that they want working for them.
0: Totally agreed. I'm going to ask you one, one last question. In in what way Melissa 2022 is similar or different than the woman that graduated from Missouri with a degree in, in journalism in her early 20s. Oh
1: gosh. Okay. I am hmm. I I think a lot of things I'm still that same person where I'm driven and motivated by curiosity and experiences and interesting problems. That's always been the motivating thing I, I i i never chased money i've chased what story am i going to tell and i've always even from a very young age i've i've thought when i look at things like what's what what will give me the least amount of regret what will be the scary thing to go after what makes you nervous and do that thing and so i, I think that's still consistent and i thought maybe having a child would sort of Slow that down and it's feeding it in a different way, but I still want to go do interesting things. And I, I know my life is only going to get richer. Um, and so uh, I think how I'm different is it's is just colored by all the experiences I've had to date, all the, the things I've gotten to do, and the people I've gotten to meet, and how that's informed and expanded my own worldview. You realize the more you do, and the more people you meet, you're not the more humble you become, <laughs> because you realize you're just, there's people out there who are just so much smarter, and they've just done so much more. So I, I think that's probably the biggest thing is I'm probably more humble than I was when I was 20, 21, 22. So I hope. So yeah, but it's, I, I'm actually, I, I think I'm in many ways still that same person who has that same hunger for life and wants to appreciate what it is to be here and, and try to make a impact on people and the universe in some positive way.
0: And the dreams that you had there panned out or turned into something fundamentally different.
1: I mean, you know, I, I like it goes back to I thought I thought I I pictured a more traditional place for me right now. And yet, I wouldn't change anything. I would not change a single thing I've done the last 20 years. I would not change I think I made the right decisions. And I think I'm still feeding all the things I wanted to be fed. But As I look at where I am, I have this wonderful network of people, deep relationships that I've developed professionally, personally, with family, they're so rich. And I think if anything, the last few years have taught us quality versus quantity. And so I that part is very true for me today. And I feel lucky that I've put myself in this place, working in this industry in a role that I didn't even know existed. It didn't exist actually <laughs> way back then. And I have all kinds of things in front of me and, and it's exciting that I don't know what's next. And then I'm in a position to frankly drive what I want. And And I'm building my own family in my own way. And I think that's, uh, it's just so cool. And I I'll use the word lucky. I've worked my tail off, but I also recognize I'm somebody who's certainly benefited from the circumstances that have surrounded her and I'm just glad I've taken advantage of it.
0: Well Melissa thank you for spending time with us you are a terrific lady as I've always told you I I hope that one day I get to meet your mom and the rest of your family and and for them to meet the rest of my family and I wish you well I know you're gonna you're gonna continue to succeed and I'm glad that you're becoming a mentor and a role model for young women in our industry. So thank you very much for spending time with us.
1: Well, thank you. you. You are such a dear friend and our industry is lucky to have you. You've been such an amazing champion for so many people. So I just, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. Well, that's
0: um, totally mutual. Th- thank, thank you, Melissa. My best to your daughter and to the rest of your family. Take care. Thank you for listening to
1: Homework, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Monica Bernal, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGibney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Planning for your
0: next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus...